Hello, welcome to Theatre Club Podcast. We bring you theatre news, theatre booze, and theatre reviews. This week, I don't really have a top tip, and I don't think we've really got time for an Oscar because we've got we've so got many four, shows to talk about. Four shows coming up. We've got the brand new production of Guys and Dolls at the Bridge Theatre. We finally went to see Cabaret at the Kit Kat Club, which we've been wanting to see for ages. I went to see Oklahoma again, the Young Vic production, which is now transferred to the West End. And then we both went to see a new ballet by Scottish Ballet, a new futuristic version of Capelia. So three classic musicals, one classic ballet, and it's one classic episode of Theatre Club <laughs> Podcast. That's how we do our own shows going forward, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and we're going to have a good cocktail this week. I've got a fun one coming up based on Guys and Dolls. We're going to be using your blender. It's going to be good. Um, but let's just crack straight on then with our review of Guys and Dolls at the Bridge Theatre. Take it away, Oscar. So it's still in previews. It started on March 3rd, which is when we saw it, the mm-hmm. first ever performance of Guys and Dolls, which for anyone who doesn't know, this is Nicholas Heitner, who was at the National. It's his new theatre right by Tower Bridge in London on the river. And Guys and Dolls is a very famous musical from 1950s. 1950s? Yeah, I'm going to guess 54, but I haven't looked that up. By Frank Lesser, who also did How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. And it's based on the books by Damon Runyon about New York gangsters and Nathan Lane and Sky Masterson, these two gangsters. Nathan Lane, Nathan Detroit. Nathan Detroit, although Nathan Lane's definitely been in Guys and Dolls before. <laughs> so Nathan Detroit and Sky Masterson, these two gangsters, they make a, they're gamblers more than gangsters, actually. And they place a bet. He bets him that he can't take a missionary girl. A dame. Girl, a dame, a doll, on a date. And then Sarah Brown is our female lead who's a mission gal. She works for a missionary, so she's straight-laced Christian missionary girl that so she's the love interest guy. She's trying to convert sinners in the area, and yeah, she's he basically kind of dupes her, doesn't he, into like going on this going on this date. And then Nathan Detroit, he has a longtime fiance. Um, She's the kind of comedy female lead, and that's Miss Adelaide. And they've been engaged for 15 years, and she's trying to get him to marry her. And she's a dancer at the hot box. And she's suffering from a long-time cold because it's of psychosomatic syndrome <laughs> caused by her, her lack of marriage. So that's a setup. It's a big, fun Broadway musical. People will know songs like Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat, Luck Be a Lady, which Frank Sinatra kind of made one of his signature songs. Yes. So it's got, like, great Broadway pedigree. And this is the first musical that the Bridge Theatre has done since opening a few years ago. Is that true? Yeah, so they did, the last couple of summers before COVID, they did two different Shakespeare's. They did A Midsummer Night's Dream and Judas Caesar. We reviewed both those shows, if you want to go back. Seats all around the theatre, and then in the middle, there's, like, a pit, so to speak, where the audience are, but also it's where the action takes place, and the audience are moved around as stage rises up and down. And this is the first time they've done a musical, as I mentioned. So I was, like, so intrigued, because to do a play in an immersive style where you're moving the audience around is one thing, but to do a full-blown Broadway musical... Is quite another. And when we when we went in, we were seated in the first circle. We'll talk about tickets at the end and where you should go. But I saw the immersive. Obviously, everyone downstairs. There was a yeah. lot of people. The groundlings and like people had dressed up. Some people yeah, had dressed up in like gangster, gangster hats. hats, and yeah, it was like it had was a really energy. good um, energy. Yeah, people seemed to people that were there seemed to know the musical and love the musical. Yeah, um, quite a lot of them. And I remember thinking, God, how are they gonna? There's so many people down there. How is this going to happen? But what happens was the stage rises up, turns into different walkways almost, Mm -hmm. like on plinths. And then when they rise up, they have 
like actors or I don't know if they were like they're not really Stage actors. They're kind of, yeah. yeah, they're sort of um dressed in like old fashioned policemen. New York police yeah, yeah cops. cops. That was so clever, like moving the audience. They just kind of push people back and then out of the floor suddenly rises up another bit of stage is suddenly set on it. It's so good, isn't it? So clever. In a million different ways. Like they had so many different configurations of those blocks and walkways. I thought that was like the technicality so well of done. that is just brilliant. And I was thinking, are you is I was like kind of looking around thinking, is anyone getting a bad view? No, they're not. Yes, because it is fully in the round. It's, yeah. Because it's immersive. It is fully, fully you in the round. You can stand anywhere and you're not going to be thinking, oh, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm right at the back of this crowd. I can't see anything. Before you know it, that bit of scenery will go and the, there'll be action happening right next to you. Mm-hmm. So I think actually immersive in this really is like a really good option. It's not just sort of like a, you know, sometimes yeah. you just kind of think, oh, I don't want to be standing. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And it had such a good energy in the in the crowd. And also, so it was quite um, modern and different for a production of Guys and Dolls to have this kind of staging. But I feel like the actual core musical and the performance itself was your traditional Guys and Dolls. Yes. You know, it, it, wasn't it felt a... like a proper Broadway, yeah. oh, sorry, a proper West End, you know, yeah. production. Yeah. With all the singing, all the dancing, none of that was sacrificed for the sake of this moving stage. It felt like a proper, proper musical. Should we talk about the dancing, seeing as you brought it up? Yeah, so Arlene Phillips choreographed this one. We've seen quite a few things of Arlene, Cher Show, but she's just choreographer for this. It's directed by Nicholas Heitner, who is the artistic director. So Arlene Phillips with James Cousins, so dual choreography. Um, really good. I really like the choreography. I think the standout numbers for me were in the second act, Adelaide's big number. The hot box number. The hot Take box back number. Your that's probably the best I've ever seen of it. Yeah, I love really that. good fun. Modern, great choreography. Um, the costumes were amazing. Brilliant and worked costumes. with the choreography. I know, like, it was really cool. That was great. And it was just full of energy. The choreography in the number I was kind of a bit disappointed with was the... At the end of the first act, they go to Rio? Havana. Havana, sorry. They end up in a sort of really fun Havana club. Yeah. So in the version that we saw a few years ago, Carlos Acosta had done the choreography just for that bit because obviously he's he's a Cuban dancer this who'd done the choreography and I, that was incredible. Mm-hmm. It was proper Cuban. Like these girls came out and they had the big feathers and I was like, yeah. wow, we've been transported. I don't feel like that number particularly was kind of used that well. I was like, I it just the, looked a bit messy. I liked the little flip they did on it though to have the the male partners dancing together. I thought that was a fun, modern kind of flip but yeah i mean we we're used to seeing lots of shows in small theaters like southwark playhouse so to so we know what can be done on because the stage although it wasn't huge because of the fact there is also a crowd there too so they couldn't really stretch out in the crapshooters ballet um before like be a lady so that was kind of a bit of a shame but what they did do with the space they had was really impressive but that was the only time where I thought, oh, I wish they had the breadth of the stage to leap across. Yes. Whereas in other scenes where you've got Nathan Detroit and Adelaide having their back and forth, to have the crowd all around them gave you that sense of bustling New York. And that actually worked even better than seeing them up on an empty stage together. Yeah, good point. That you kind of felt, oh, they're like in the crowd of New York. They're having this argument maybe on a busy street yeah. or in a busy club. So I think in those scenes, all the acting scenes and smaller musical numbers, it worked even better maybe than actually a traditional i think staging. you're right because the big number the traditional number that everyone like you know you kind of are waiting for is sit down you're rocking the boat yeah and that takes place in this um missionary in the mission, in the yeah. mission um, yeah. office and obviously that's 
a lot smaller. They were in a tiny square. And I think that, you're right, actually it kind of lent to it because you felt like it was full of these gamblers. Absolutely. So the only number is the Crapshooters Ballet because that's supposed to be underground in a huge like empty warehouse mm, tunnel uh, tunnel and there I, I want to see them kind of really running and leaping and stuff so that was the only thing performances let's do those so we had daniel mays who people will know from line of duty and various other tv and film roles he played nathan detroit brilliant I yeah thought. he was good fun he's a good comic actor yes and that's what you need this is like a proper comedy part anyone who's seen the film only frank sinatra was not well cast nathan's like a comedy character do you know what I mean? And I think he did he's that really a, well. He's a bit of a buffoon. Like, he's a mm-hmm. bit of a lummox, isn't he? Yeah, and he's got to be because he doesn't treat Adelaide particularly well. Or, you know, he won't marry her. So he's got to be a lovable lummox. And I yes. thought he did that really well. Agree. Adelaide was Marisha Wallace, who we saw at the Young Vic in Oklahoma. She played Ado Annie and really That's brought the house down. That's what I knew her from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was so funny in Oklahoma when we saw her. She's obviously not gone to the West End cast of Oklahoma because she's doing this, but she was really funny again. I spent the whole show thinking I'd seen her in something completely different. That voice is so recognisable. It's she's lovely. She's got a great voice. She has such a good voice. It can be very like small and sweet, but it can then she can belt when she needs to in the you know in yeah. the right parts. Yeah. And I, yeah, I thought she was really funny. It's a different Adelaide than uh, who did we see? Sophie Thompson was the last one we saw, so a bit older. Um, and playing it a bit more kind of like a little little old sassy. broad, sassy board. Yeah, she whereas, had a lot of attitude. Whereas Marisha Wallace in this played it a bit more laid back, a bit more still ditzy, but not ditzy in a kind of more like overtly camp kind of way, in a sort of like... She had a bit more confidence somehow. Yes, she was confident but ditzy. Yes. She wasn't like a sort of lost little, little, you know, little lamb. Like sometimes Adelaide can be a bit, maybe a little pathetic or like, whereas this, I think she really, you're right, had a confidence. Yeah. But also kind of ditzy cuteness. Yeah. Um, so I thought she was brilliant. And then our other central couple, Skye and Sarah Brown. Who was Skye? Andrew Richardson in his professional theatre debut. I thought he was great. He was really good. Yeah. I thought he had like real charisma, which mm-hmm. Skye needs, but he didn't play it too smooth. Sometimes you see a Skye and they're channeling your Marlon Brando from the movie or they're channeling a Frank Sinatra type, a crooner. He he obviously did that, but he I felt like he had a bit of kind of... In the scenes, in the moments where he could be funny and goofy, he went for that. Yes. And I think that set up the relationship with him and Sarah better. Did you notice how the bit when him and Sarah are going, they go to Havana and she's having that drink and he's the put it, the, yeah, the, do, the Dolce, Dolce de Leche. And in the like traditional telling of that, she he's sort of basically not told her that there's alcohol in it and she yes. just gets really drunk. Yeah, she's like, what's Bacardi? And he's like, don't worry about it, have it's another a one. It's natural flavouring. Yeah, it's a natural flavouring. She's like, oh, well, whoopsie boo. Whereas in this, she knew. Yes. She turned to him and she's like, what's in this then? And well, he, like, he doesn't say, oh, it's Bacardi and leave it vague. He turns around, he gets a bottle of Bacardi and, and he shows puts it on the table. it's alcohol because yeah. in today's, you know, Modern that's audience. just not gonna, mm. it's not gonna fly, pretend, like letting well, someone get drunk when they've never drunk. Interestingly, before. Frank Lesser, who wrote this, wrote Baby It's Cold Outside, which always seems to nowadays come under like scrutiny of like, ooh, is this coercive? Like, is she asking to leave and he won't let her? Yeah. But yeah, anyway. It so is I thought that is. was a, I, yeah, that was a good I twist really, to cover their bases on that I one. really liked the way that they did that, actually. 
And Sarah Brown, I haven't heard of this actor before, but she is, I think she's Dutch, and she's been in Les Mis, and she's been in Phantom for a long time. She's called Celinde Schoenmaker. So that's where her soprano, because she had a good soprano. Really did, didn't she? So she's been a Christina West End. And I thought her, Sarah's a hard character, because it's, oh, she's, she's a bit sometimes. of a stick in the mud at the beginning. But I yeah. thought her, her drunk scene is when an actor gets to like bring her to life. I remember, I still remember Jenna Russell doing it, obviously Ian McGregor, and really? how, how funny she was. And I thought she did a good job in this, in um, If I Were a Bell, which yes. is her sort of drunk number where she's starting to let loose. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. Who was I going to mention? Cedric Neal, such an incredible performer, and he plays Nicely Nicely Johnson, who sings Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat, and that's the number everyone's waiting for. He was excellent. So good. And no spoiler, but they do the two encores. It's kind of become like a famous thing now with Guys and Dolls that people want an encore of that number, and the Ewan McGregor production decided they would not do that. Really? Do you not remember? No. Everyone kept clapping and they just carried the scene on because I think the National had done it so famously not long before that they were like, we're trying to distance ourselves. Well, I remember when we went to the National and saw it because we were kids and people would not Stop stop clapping. I think they did it three times. Do you remember? Yeah. Well, in this one, we got two encores. It's worth going to see Guys and Dolls just, just to sit down and rock in the boat. It really is. It is. It's so good. Kind of fun in that moment to watch the audience as well, the standing audience. Mm. And like some of them were really bucking <laughs> around. Because if you're stood up in that, in that, basically you're in the mission with them in this amazing gospel number, you Probably can see people really like, yeah, bopping away. Um, so the cast were fantastic. Considering this was the first ever performance, I thought it was amazing. I'm going again. I'm saying I that think right I'll now. Go again. Let's it's talk about for, tickets if we're going again. It's on for such a long time. Um, so it is running until September the 2nd. So it's all summer long at the Bridge Theatre. Now, not to grumble, but we had really bad seats because they were against an air conditioning unit. So I'm just going to, we should probably just warn people where not to sit first. In the gallery, and we sat on the back row, which is row C, and we sat in the corner. So it's a, a sort of a round, a an oblong theatre and we sat on one of the kind of the corners of it and so it was row C seats 47 to 50 I think we were we went as a group so do not sit in those seats they're freezing cold you will be blasted with cold 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 air on the back of your legs for an hour and 40 minutes yeah so don't do that um I would recommend seats wise if you want to sit really good seats are in I think in gallery one which is the first circle if you sit sort of on the sides, like the longest sides, um, mm-hmm. but those tickets are £95, so I would go for the second row. So I would go somewhere like row B, seat 68. Uh, row B, seat 57 to 68, so they're the side ones. And on the other side, it's row B, seat 7 to 18. So the second row back on the first gallery. And you're kind of looking, because the stage rises up, it almost comes up to that level you don't feel like you're looking down and how much are they they're 69 pounds that's fine so that's a more expensive but i think you get a really good view you're like you're you don't feel high up you're looking straight at it so i think that's for more if you wanted to go cheap i would go up to gallery two no i'd just do immersive well i, I think if you want to go cheap and seated oh, because some people can't stand up for two hours okay so if you want to go cheap seating go up to gallery two don't go for the seats we had in row C of gallery one, go up to gallery two, and I would sit in the second row of gallery two, they're £29. And again, you're looking down at it, but because it kind of all happens in the middle of this central theatre, it's quite a nice one to actually look down on. 
Yes. And you're getting a good view wherever you sit in that front row. But yes, like Alice said, the standing seats are £39 and 50 pence. You're standing for the whole performance, but you are, you're moving around. It's about an hour and 40 first act and about 40 minutes the second. You're moving around. It would be really good fun. It's £39.50. Or if you want to go on the day, it is on Today Ticks. That's the rush seats. They're £25. You log on at 10am to Today Ticks app and you can get a £25 standing seat. It's not a standing seat, it's just standing. Sorry, a standing <laughs> ticket. It's so fantastic. Guys and Dolls at the Bridge Theatre till September 2nd. Five star review. Everyone needs to see this. Yeah. Everyone. Take your mum for Mother's Day. There you go. So fantastic. And we were talking about the Bacardi of it all. When they go to Havana, I'm going to do a Bacardi cocktail in honour of Guys and Dolls. Here we go. this cocktail um what is the drink that they drink in guys and dolls dolce so in in guys and dolls they drink a cuba libra they think no a dolce de leche is what he says which is milk and bacardi this however is um rum with blended frozen chunks of pineapple some coconut milk so not coconut cream like the coconut milk that you'd put in like cereal or whatever um a little bit of that and then some creme de cacao which is like a white sort of chocolate liqueur and a splash of agave. Why do we call it a doll mm. leche? Because you know how they call all the guys like guys and dolls. So it's a doll leche. Doll leche. Yes. Okay. Yum. Oh, this is actually really good. It's pretty good. I hope there's more. Mm. There's some more left in the blender. Let's get. Oh, smashed. I never have. I never have Let's blended drinks. Let's get drunk tonight. Mm. Oh, this is really good. Mm. <laughs> well, the listeners can just listen to us drinking. <laughs> For the next 20 minutes. <laughs> no, we've got a lot to crack on with. Okay. Okay, let's, let's talk do about Cabaret. Cabaret. Cabaret at the Kit Kat Club, to give it its full title. So this has been on since 2021. We luckily got invited to a gala night because the car the main cast has just changed again. So Amy Lou Wood will be playing is playing Sally Bowles now, and John McRae is now playing the MC. So we got free tickets, which we're very happy about, of course. Um, because we've been humming and hiring because it's an expensive ticket. Really, this show they are there are some cheap seats, but we really wanted to see it. We wanted to be somewhere good, so we can talk about is, we can talk about tickets at the end. Yeah, and, and the, the reason that we haven't booked it already is I think I was just so apprehensive about spending a lot of money on a ticket and not really knowing where to sit and what the configuration was. And they say it's in the round, but is it really in the round? But we can now tell everybody how to see the show. Yeah, we'll talk about the we'll tickets do that at the, at the end. end. So let's just talk about the show. So Cabaret, the Camden Ebb musical. There was a movie with Liza Minnelli, which was quite different than the. The musical, I've never... We saw it in stage as kids when we were way too young. Don't we'll, know why mum took us to that Guildford School of Acting production. Well, yeah, she, she we left. We, she didn't, we didn't yeah. get to see the whole thing. She literally she was, was like, like, this, this is, is... This is a bit full on. Bit said, I think she would have said racy. Racy. Is the word she would have used. So I've never seen the full stage show. and There's a lot in the stage show that's not in the film. And this production obviously was huge because of the Eddie Redmayne and Jesse Buckley of it all. But now we've got Amy Lou Wood and John McRae. Um, let's just talk about them first, because that's who kind of, that's why they had the gala night, they're the new. So the MC is like the master of ceremonies. He works at the Kit Kat Club and he sings various songs throughout. He's not really like a character so much narratively. He doesn't kind of enter into the world that much. He he comes on and sings songs that often, you know, have a dark kind of edge 
that echo the dark undertones mm. of like the Nazism and stuff. And I thought John McRae was very good. He was the original Jamie, and everybody's talking about Jamie. So he's oh. got. He's oh, got we sass. saw Leighton Williams in the audience. We saw Leighton Williams in the audience, who is one of his very good friends and has also played Jamie in the West End. And yeah, so John McRae was really good. He's got he's got like sass. He's got you know a sort of a presence and a good voice, and he's a good dancer. For me, he lacked a tiny bit of edge. Yeah. Not to start on a negative, but I just actually feel like he he's not quite what I've remembered from it. Not to be patronising, but do you think he's too young? Uh, yeah, I don't know, actually. I think it needs to be like an Alan Cumming, like somebody who's just a bit older. A bit older. A bit, he is young. Like, yeah, we want, I want a Richard O'Brien. I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, he's way older, but you know he's what I mean? way older, but That's yeah. what I'm saying. Somebody yes, that's that, that, in their um, bones is a quirky, edgy person. Yes, and has that real intrinsic kind of, yeah, yeah edge Yeah, they're a weirdo. Them. I want yeah. a weirdo, and he's not that. No, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not enough. Maybe he is, yeah, maybe that's what it was. Um, I mean, he was still really good, and he performed all the songs really well. It's just for me, that was the bit that I was thinking, because Alan Cumming made this so much his role, didn't he, in the Donmar production. Um, I was expecting a bit more, and it just lacked a tiny bit of edge. Whereas Amy Lou Wood, who's the other new cast member who this Scarlet Night was for, who people will know from Sex Education probably, yes. she plays Sally Bowles in this, and I was really, really, really impressed with her. I loved her performance. I thought it was incredible. She no was... No perfect, really. Yeah, no, yeah, she was. She was endearing without being like saccharine and she was kind of quirky without being like an oddball you know she was just it was just like a, a really sincere performance and she can sing so well like yeah, i didn't realize a really nice voice yeah she's got a really nice voice and her big number brought the house down yeah well yeah. she kind of brought the house down twice i guess with maybe this time and cabaret oh yeah yeah both she times did. Because her voice was really good, but also her performance was... Because I knew that this pr- production, directed by Rebecca Frecknell, who did The New Streetcar Named Desire, and she did Summer and Smoke, I kind of, from what I'd seen of it, I knew that it was more focused on, you know, she's like a more of a theatre. This is the first musical she's done. So I knew that she was trying to bring performance from the acting was kind of her primary focus, rather than this isn't like a singy Liza show. And actually the original cabaret, Sally Bowles isn't supposed to be a knockout, sensational, brilliant performer. She's kind of second rate. Really? Well, you know, ah. Cliff kind of says that to her at the end. He's like, wake up, What's Sally. It? Yeah. You're dreaming if you think that you're going to make it. So she can't be too good. So I kind of knew that this, and I'd seen um, Amy Lennox, who played it before. I saw her sing it and I thought, oh yeah, Rebecca's not like, this needs to be no perfect. That's not the performance we're looking for here. This isn't like uh, Dream Girls. This is more about the character. But Amy Lou Wood kind of did both. I thought her voice was actually really good, but she performed it. And like you said, she wasn't annoying. Because Sally Bowles is a bit of a manic pixie dream girl yeah, well, of I the was, 20s. When we went 30s. to see um, Sweet Charity, uh, that character really annoyed me. Played yes. by... Anne-Marie Duff. Anne-Marie Duff. I was like, she's ditzy, she's annoying, she's over the top, she's just yep. a mess, and I don't even like her. Yep. And that could have been the that case. That could have been Sally. But yeah. it wasn't. 
Okay, right. I'll say uh, Vivian Parry played Fraulein Schneider and in the movie Fraulein Schneider is a very small role in this it's a really pivotal role like almost the most important thematically for the kind of dark Nazi Germany storyline because she falls in love with um, one of her lodgers who's Jewish and so that whole dichotomy that's set up there I thought she was so good uh, she was incredible what she's, else has she been in? she's been in everything like Les Mis Mamma Mia she's like a West End, you know, she had she's done it all. eyes that were just like kind of Maleficent eyes almost. They were just glassy, Pierce. piercing mm. eyes, but softer. You know, I'm not saying yeah. she was like, oh, she was so captivating to watch. Like, she was incredible. And that storyline could have just been like a B storyline. Yeah, it kind of felt like the main thing. It did. And that's why I think Rebecca Frecknell does really well in this as a director, because she is kind of... You know, it's less of a musical, more of a play with songs, a bit like the film was, you know. Yes. Um, and I think that storyline was really, like, heartbreaking, and that was delivered really powerfully. And I thought Vivian Parry was so good. Um, as was, who played opposite her as, um, what was he called? Herr Schultz, Richard Katz. I thought he was great, too. They were such a sweet couple. That was a really heartbreaking storyline. So I was really, really happy I've seen it, because you don't get that in the movie, that storyline. So now I can really listen to the, like... Broadway West End cast recordings and know the story and enjoy those numbers that I've mm. not seen before on stage. Mm. Um, yeah, I really loved it. I think it's very Rebecca Frecknell. It's kind of... It's quite dark. I'd like to tell dark. everybody, forget what you think you know about Cabaret because this isn't it. Yeah. Like, I hadn't seen the film. I think I've watched it once when I was a child. It's, it's a really good film. I need to, to I need to watch it again. Um, and I just remember the songs more than I remember, like the big songs. Yeah. You just hear them. So in my mind, I was going to see, and obviously like this is the show that like celebrities are going to and you cannot get like a ticket under £75 and blah, blah, blah. So I, in my head, I was like, well, this is going to be like cabaret. It's going to be sparkly Moulin like not the Moulin Rouge yes but, I know yeah yes. I know what you're saying and I loved it but it's so not what I thought it was going to be oh interesting yeah it's more of a play it's more of a play yeah in an incredible setting and it's they've done deep, the theatre up really dark nice. CD the underbelly the war it's dark it's just really yes. dark so don't I just think like everyone should know, like don't go thinking that this is going to be just yes. like a load of glitter in a top hat. Yeah. Have they not... sacrificed some of the maybe sexy fun of what I've seen from the like Donmar Alan Cummings productions? Um, have they like sort of maybe sacrificed some of the sexiness for the edginess? Because like, I think we were saying that the, the dancers were great. They came on, they had like nipple tassels, the two ladies was quite raunchy and bawdy, but it, it wasn't necessarily any of sexy. It, none of it was raunchy. It was all PG-13. And maybe that's a choice. I don't know. I think it was a choice. I think... Yeah, to not they thought, sexy. Let's just... Let's not even try and do anything. Sex. I don't know. Maybe they wanted it to be, like, available to everybody and not isolate anyone. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I just didn't find any of it. I, I kind of did think, because obviously we'd been taken as kids and left before yes. the show had even finished. Because it does was like. This this is just too way too inappropriate. And then I was thinking, like, obviously it's set in the Kit Kat Club. Yeah, and the lyrics are saucy. You know, he's talking about the MC is talking about how he's basically shagging them all. Yeah, but it didn't. That didn't quite come across. And but even maybe the, like, that wasn't was the concern. That... But it wasn't necessarily played no, that way. It's totally like vanilla. But the costumes we should talk about because they are like vanilla is the wrong word. It's like if you have dazed and confused, which is edgy, cool, and then you've got Vogue, which is editorial high-end and this is mm, vogue this is the right. vogue costumes of cabaret everything looks like a beautiful 
like she like comes out in this fur coat. Do you remember that? that the tur- fur coat was great. Oh, this tur- turquoise fur coat, and then her big baby doll dress. Everything just looks like it should be like in a magazine. And it's Tom Scutt who did costume and set design, and he did a really brilliant um, little shop of horrors in the Regent's Park open air theatre that I loved. He did the Jesus Christ Superstar there, I think, as well. He has really cool set designs, and this was yeah, just flawless again, like you said. So editorial. It so felt editorial. Like, it felt like a fashion shoot. The other thing that's worth noting that I loved is, and I want more of this, like the, one of the highlights for me of Moulin Rouge was the minute you step foot into that theatre, you're inside the Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. You're not like, oh, I'm just looking at it there. You're like, no, it's next to me. It's all around me. Yeah. The minute you set, it's like there's three three bars mm-hmm. and they're all called the different, they're all called different bar names and they've dressed them. So you feel like you're in the Kit Kat Club before yeah. you've even got into the auditorium. Yeah, 1930s German expressionist paintings they've put up on the walls. They've done like special Gold. cocktails, the champagne. There's like some burlesque performers on the bar when we came in, they were up on the bar sort of it's doing a, a little dance. It's, it's an experience. And yeah, you can go an hour before the start time. So if it's at 7.30, you can arrive at half six and spend like an I hour. We want the theatre to be like that. I wanted yeah, the felt, whole felt thing like to be from before, you, yeah, an event before you've even, before the curtains come up, you're transported somewhere. And then let's just talk about how it looks inside because they take your phone off you so you can't take any photos, mm-hmm. which I love. I think it's great to keep the magic in there. Yeah. Um, it's just... It's it's in the round, so there's like a circular stage, and then they've done seating either like yeah in the round, so you can go on the sides, you can go like we were kind of in the main bit, I'd say though, because on yes. on the back wall there's only one like circle. yeah there's only one circle and, stalls. and I thought mm, they're definitely playing to our side more more so yeah. go to the main you'll see on the seating plan there's only like the four rows bit. on one bit and then there's like the whole seating on the other side mm. so definitely go on that side we were saying back of the circle was actually quite good and you can get tickets for 70 pounds yeah, sometimes... I was worried that sitting that far away that you would like miss the action, but That's... we went up there and had a look, and actually, you want to, you kind of want to see the whole of the. It's like on Moulin Rouge, like it's actually fine to be far away because then you can yeah. see the whole thing. Yeah, it was really good. It's just we saw it right the night before Guys and Dolls, didn't we? So in my head, I've got the two sort of competing. But like we said, I think Cabaret felt more like a play than a musical, even though the songs are great. But also, Cabaret felt like an event. You're so That's right. True. Whereas going to the Bridge Theatre was like the usual coat check going to sit down oh it's a bit late starting oh my god now it started and now i'm in a complete now the orchestra started whereas kick cut club i feel like we went to like an immersive night out that's true yeah that was that was fun that is a a, a fun part of it that yeah. kind of makes the ticket price worth it, it does so that's on until december 16th so you've got a long time to see it and i would recommend seeing both amy lou and wood and um john oh, you've got to see it it has to be seen yeah, I'm really glad we saw it, and I'm glad we waited for this cast because um, I thought Amy Lee Wood was brilliant. And who did I say played Fraulein Schneider? Uh, Vivian Parry, who played Fraulein Schneider, I think is also fantastic, who's in it currently. So that was Cabaret at the Kit Kat Club, which we've finally seen. What should we talk about next? Capelia? Should we do the ballet next? And then I'll finish with Oklahoma. Yes. So Capelia, we went to see today, actually, a Sunday afternoon matinee. And this is Scottish ballet production. We love the Scottish ballet. And this is Capelia, which is a classic ballet. I don't know how old it is, but it's like, you know, the Royal Opera House do it. English National Ballet. It's, it's a traditional ballet about um, an automaton doll that comes to life. Kind of like the doll from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. 
Yes, that's, yeah, it's very, especially in the traditional production, she's like a little... Painted doll with plaits in her hair. This production by Scottish Ballet, however, is they've gone for like a modern, futuristic, very much like, oddly, last night I watched the movie Megan, that new movie, horror movie Megan, with that sort of evil little Mm. robot doll. And this kind of was that vibe. It was like in a futuristic world where a big company that was very much signaling you um did you see in the the man that runs this big company that's making these robot dolls had like a spaceship in his office just like jeff bezos not jeff bezos elon musk is like into his space stuff he had the black polo neck like black trousers um, steve jobs Mm -hmm. so they were making references to all that kind of big corporate tech um so it's set in a big corporate tech company and then the main character is um, is she coming in to interview him? Yes. That's it. She's coming in to interview him about this tech company and this, that in this one, it's um, like Capalia Technology, it's called. And it's these automaton dolls. And the dolls have blonde, um, sorry, pink wigs and really cool, like kind of briefs with like a little crop top. And they just look very futuristic. Very fifth element. Very fifth element. Um, very fifth element. So the story is, is, there's not much story to it. And this is a one act Ballet, or as in, sorry, it's not one act, but there's no interval. It's straight through. It's an hour and 20 minutes. The story's fairly simple, but also a little bit sometimes hard to understand because there's no words, obviously. So at some points I was a bit like, what's going on? Like, is she becoming the doll? But she, yeah. I mean, I guess she sort of became, she got sort of sucked into the into the AI, didn't she? At one yeah. Point. I mean, how I feel about it is it started off at a really good pace. Mm-hmm. You're seeing the company, you're getting to know all the characters. You can see that he's created this doll. He's presenting it to the investors. Something goes wrong. They go into the laboratory. You get to see all the other dolls that they're making. Mm-hmm. That was all really cool. Then she goes to bed at night with yeah. him. Was she with him? Who did she go to bed No, with? she was with her partner. She goes to bed with her partner. Who's like her fellow interview. Maybe they work together as journalists. And I thought, oh, maybe some dance is going to happen in that bedroom. Nothing happens in that bedroom. The room just turns around for a bit, which I thought was a kind of... I'm That's like, true. What, yeah. what, why, what was the purpose of them going to bed? Like nothing really happened. And then she gets up in the night and creeps out of the room. And goes and looks at the technology for herself. And that's when she sort of things start to go awry yes. and they come alive. But all of that took forever. Yes, the middle's a bit slow. Oh. Like you said, it started really well. And we should say that there is a camera that comes on stage, like a steady cam camera that is filming and live projecting onto the back of the stage. And that looked really cool. That worked really well. It was seamless. And it wasn't just, you know, sometimes it's a bit distracting. You're like, are we meant to be looking at the screen? Or the... No, yeah. it, it it sort of told a different lens. And it, yeah. like, as in, like, it was a different perspective. And, and it was it nicely looked, framed. It looked like a film. Yeah, the way that I was like, is a professional cameraman filming this? And then they came alive, they did some dancing, that all went on for a little bit too long for me. I felt like it got really dark as well. The lighting's really cool in this, um, but it did get very dark. Yes, and I thought, I'm going to go and have a little sleep. Snooze. It got yeah. a bit too slow in the middle. Slow and dark. But then it picks up when she becomes the automaton doll, the Capello, you know, when yes. she is that... The pardeur that she does with the, you know, uh, Dr. Capalia, the Steve Jobs style character, that was cool. That was it like, really was. Rishan Benjamin was the lead character. I don't know what her character name was, but she was really dynamic performer. And that scene where she got to do that pardeur, which was quite like kind of them battling each other, I guess. That was very cool. I really enjoyed that a lot. Yes, I do. I just feel like that show 
had some amazing scenery and costumes and really nice moments within it like at the beginning when they've got all those silver tables and all the workers are doing dances around those tables and they make a mm. walkway that was that was really interesting use of scenery i just i just think it just needed a bit more of an edit and a bit more yeah. substance to it somehow it could have been an hour could have been an hour listen i'll always see anything by scottish ballet because it's yes. such an interesting company and it's all on point the technicality is there every dancer is the and technique, yeah. Yeah, the technique's really good. They've got a really good um, company of dancers. So I'll always modern. go and see everything that they do. Yeah, it's it was cool. I'm really glad we saw it. Um, Definitely. But it's it's no longer on at Sadler's Wells, so you can't see it at Sadler's Wells. We only paid £30 for our seats, and we sat at the back of the first circle, and the view was perfect. Yeah, that was Capelia by the Scottish Ballet. Tell me about Oklahoma. So Oklahoma, But before which... you do, do you want to take your jumper off? You look very hot. <clears throat> yeah, I do. Okay. I always do that to you. I did that in cabaret. Yeah. I was like, take your jacket off. I have overheated. Okay, jumpers off. I mean, I've got a lot of heating on. Do you want me to take it off? No. no, I'm fine. Okay. I'm just getting hot and spicy thinking about Oklahoma. So from cabaret, which we were saying maybe wasn't like shied away from the more like overtly sexual nature of the text and made it more like dark and edgy. This Oklahoma production is dark and edgy, but also its main concern is the underlying sexual tension, tension between everyone in this place in Oklahoma and we have reviewed this uh, before because of the production started at the Young Vic in 2022 we went and saw it there and it was such a success that they have brought it back with all of the original company apart from Marisha Wallace who played Ada Annie of because course, she's in Guys and Dolls she's in Guys and Dolls and she's been replaced by Georgina Honora and then a few of the ensemble looked new as well but the core cast is the same as the Young Vic so going to see it again was really... I was really excited to see it again because I loved it, The Young Vic. I did. And... But I was kind of thinking, how are they going to put this in the proscenium arch? So at The Young Vic, we were sat... There was like a row of tables and we were sat either side like we were at some sort of cookout... Picnic. Picnic, um, barn dance style thing. We were in the barn with them, sat on either side of these long trestle tables so in this, we've gone proscenium arch. So they, so I was thinking, like, how's that going to work? And it actually worked really well. So they've taken that wooden cladding that is on the set and they've sort of extended out into the audience. So you do kind of feel like you're being drawn in a bit. And then they leave the lighting up quite light still. So again, you're kind of, you're not sitting in the safety in the dark by yourself while the show's happening. You mm. are kind of in it for most of it. Occasionally it will go up and down. But it actually kind of worked pretty well in a proscenium, like just seeing it at some points even better because sometimes when you're in an immersive space like it was a what's that called a traverse stage where it's the long strip with people either side you kind of miss a bit of presentational structure from the front because you're sort of thinking are they performing this towards me so you get sometimes you get vignettes that look nice your way sometimes you don't whereas on the proscenium it's always you're always getting what they're presenting to you forwards and I thought that actually worked quite well I don't know which I prefer I feel like there was something really... Yeah, I wasn't disappointed at all. I was actually pleasantly surprised by the new staging. Great. And it was just as fabulous as last time. I mean... Was it still... Because do you remember... I don't want to ruin it. Not doing spoilers, but there's sort of like a a number at the end that's a bit shocking. Yeah. It's still shocking. Yeah. The whole thing still like has the same impact that it did before. But this time, seeing it for a second time is really nice because I wasn't... When you kind of know what's happening, I could like focus in on the performances a bit more or like look at what how they were doing certain things or the way they were staging things. So like to see it for a second time was really, 
interesting because the kind of the shock factor was still there but it wasn't taking me aback so much I kind of knew what I was in for and did it sound just as good sounded incredible so a brilliant live orchestra playing um I don't even know the names of all the instruments but proper like um the banjo like banjo and what's the one that's sort of the it's like a um a strings instrument that lies flat and it does that kind of widgery room yeah like (laughs) I don't know what it's called but a washing board Basically, it's something that Dolly Parton would play. So it has that kind of bluegrass country orchestra. And then obviously um, Arthur Derville, who plays Curly, he plays guitar live in it. So it's got that real cool live sound. And the sound mix is really good. They all sound brilliant. And the performances are just so good. I mean, I cannot recommend it enough. The audience went wild. <gasps> like, everyone was loving it. Really? I had Twiggy sat behind me. What? Had Jennifer Saunders just down my row. Darling. Christopher Biggins. Oh Biggins. my God. Everyone was the there. Lovies. And this production is so good. I mean, I would honestly consider seeing it for a third time. Well, now that you're talking about it, like, so excitedly again, I want to go. How can I see this? I don't want to pay loads of money. Um, So let me look at tickets. This one is also on until the 2nd of September. Same as Guys and Dolls. So it runs all summer long. And where's it on at again? It's on at the Wyndham's Theatre, right outside Leicester Square. And your top price tickets in the stools are, I mean, look, I'm looking forward now to August and there's some seats in the central stools that are 125 and 97. And then around that, there's 82 pound seats. So that's your kind of top price stools. Royal Circle, you have 120 pounds. Back of the Royal Circle is 55 pounds. And I would say this show is 100% worth 55 pounds. So that would be my recommendation. And is, is there the, like an overhang if you sat on the back? I can't remember because I actually didn't go up there and look, but it's quite a small circle, so I think not. So that would probably be my recommendation. Or if you can just go on a whim on the day, today ticks rush is £27.50. Don't know why they don't just make it 25 That's annoying. But it's £27.50. You can unlock those 10am on the morning. Um, so that would well And where will doing. you sit for those? We don't know. Oh, damn it. Sorry, I should have tried... Looking them this morning. Can you oh, put it on yesterday. the Instagram? Yes, I will put a post on the Instagram. But um, I think it's worth £55. But if you don't want to spend that, do the Today Takes Rush. But whatever you do, I do think you've got to see this. If someone like in my office was like, what, would I, what should I go and see? I kind of feel like this is the one over, over Guys and Dolls, over Cabaret. Only because it, I feel like people who don't like musicals would absolutely, this would blow their minds. They'd be like, this is what a musical can be. That's crazy. Like, they'd have no idea you could do this kind of edgy theatre, especially with a traditional musical like uh, like Oklahoma. With traditional songs, songs with the that traditional they recognise. Yeah, but I think people Make would, it really cool. But it feels super, more well, than it's Cabaret. Come, it's it feels, come from America. It'll come from Broadway, right? Yeah, it yeah. was on Broadway. And I just it just feels, yeah, it feels... I just it had lost none of its kind of verve. And, oh, I'm going again. You've just... Yeah, yeah definitely. I'm I going feel again. like if it's on till September, I'll want to see it for a third time. Before it leaves. By Sep- yeah. And the new Ado Annie, she was just really, really good. So to have that one cast change and for her to really step up Georgina and Onora. How do you think Honora. I should say? Honora. I think... She was like she just brought the house down, especially opposite James Patrick Davis, who played Will Parker. The two of them, like the audience, were in hysterics. They were just, they were perfect. Absolutely loved it. Great. That's Oklahoma at the Wyndham's Theatre, playing until September second. Um, so yeah, that was our jam-packed week of theatre. I mean, that was all in one week. We saw all four <laughs> shows. That's kind of 
mad. That's like back to the old days. I know, I love it though. Absolutely love it. So we hope you enjoy listening to all of those reviews and we will be back with um, reviews of... You're going to see another ballet. I'm going to see Tyler Peck. Yes. Is it called Tyler Peck? Um, Or is it Tyler Perry? No, Tyler Perry does. uh, He's an American who does those like movies like (gasps) Medea, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Isn't Tyler Perry the medium? No, that's (laughs) someone else. But you're seeing Tyler Peck. I've seen Tyler Peck. I'm seeing Standing at the Sky's Edge, which is the new show at National Theatre that everyone's raving about. And I'm also hopefully going to see Bonnie and Clyde, new musical. Oh, that's had... I listened to a song off that the other day on um, Elaine Page and it sounded really good. And we're going to see furthest from the furthest thing finally got tickets further to see that the further thing. from the furthest thing at the young, young Vic. Vic with Jenna Russell so another it's going to be another jam-packed episode in the next one but we hope you have enjoyed listening to this one and um we're gonna we can't, have some more we're, of these we're making mistakes now because we're drunk <laughs> I mean these Bacardi cocktails are damn good mm-hmm. these are like one of the best ones we've had for a while it's because we blended them baby oh yeah oh well, I don't own a blender so we have to do them every time we come to yours that's fine by me so good okay thanks so much for listening to Theatre Club Podcast follow us on Instagram at Theatre Club Podcast bye Bye.